When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. From the 45 on second down, Cousins ahead fake, fires, Thielen has it, inside the 10, he's into the end zone for a Vikings touchdown, 45 yards from Cousins to Thielen, and the Vikings pull to within five, it's now 31-26 Rams. All right, welcome into Purple Daily, and this might be the first time we have ever done this, carrying over a conversation from Score North Live onto Purple Daily. But I started thinking about the Twins' struggles with the New York Yankees and how there's this obvious collision course between those two teams and whether the Twins and the Twin Cities sports landscape is just entirely, thoroughly cursed. And of course, the team at the forefront of the being cursedness is the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. So let us carry on with this conversation because I've gotten a ton of great responses from people, some of which believe that some black magic was placed on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm not sure when, but maybe from their inception as a franchise, they have four Super Bowl losses, none of which were really even that good at games. No. They have shanked kicks. They have freak injuries. And the thing that's craziest about the Minnesota Vikings, Danny is that they have been really good for a really long time. They are the best franchise without a Super Bowl, hands down. I don't even think it's close. Every decade, they're in an NFC championship. They're competitive. They're in the playoffs all the time throughout this franchise's history. They've been relevant. They've had mega stars of the game, Randy Moss and Adrian Peterson, and going back you know, even, even further than that, Fran Tarkington the superstars, the Hall of Famers, and yet they've never been able to get it done. And how it's gone down has been in such tremendously flaming fashion, uh, including, uh, it was brought up to me, the one that we don't bring up that often is the drop pass in the 1987 NFC Championship game against Washington, where the Vikings, yeah, I know, neither one of us were, yeah, uh, I don't were remember watching that one. that one, but a lot of Vikings fans certainly remember that. And then, of course, you know all the others. I don't have to read them to you. But then you even think about recently, I mean, they're having a great season, and Delvin Cook tears, tears his ACL. Teddy Bridgewater goes down and changes the entire trajectory of this franchise. And if you are a longtime Vikings fan, 
I mean, you would look at this and say, there's just, there's no other explanation for being this good for this long and never having it break your way. And if you're a younger Vikings fan, you've seen at least one tremendously heartbreaking moment and probably more than that, because I would put the NFC championship game in Philly with this. You're going. You think that's cursed or, abs- or heartbreaking? Yes. No, even think- though it was a blowout, it wasn't. It wasn't the same as '98 or '09. In, in fact, that you know those games went down to the wire. Where the one in Philadelphia two years ago was what 41 to seven before you knew it. Yeah, uh, it was uh, 38 to seven. Uh, I think. Um, let me. I, I'm going to back this up. But it's going to take me one second. Because I'm not, I have I'm not to sure go. I can get on board with that one being cursed. No, no, I, I'm, I've got this for you though, because so we were having this conversation here about whether you wanted Philadelphia or Atlanta to win in the playoffs. If Atlanta won, if I'm remembering this correctly, they would have come to Minnesota. Didn't the Vikings have the two seed? Yes. So they would have come to Minnesota. And if they lose, if Atlanta loses to Philly, then the Vikings have to go to Philly. Yes. So that's how, that's, that's how it worked. Now, the game against Atlanta, Nick Foles, though he had a 100 quarterback rating, was not super good in the 15 to 10 win. They really should have lost. Yeah. I mean, Julio Jones is open in the back of the end zone. The, well, wasn't that when Atlanta had, they went for it on fourth and goal tw- towards the end of the game and couldn't convert? Yes. Right? Yes. And. That there was a pass by Nick Foles that bounced off of a defender that should have been an interception and went to his receiver for, for the 35-yard play. Nick Foles did not look very good in the regular season, and he didn't look very good against Atlanta. So we were sitting here saying, okay, I mean, you're going to Philly with the number one defense in the NFL, playing a backup quarterback who's coming off a game where... Yeah, his numbers were okay, but it looked pretty ugly. They put up 15 points. Yeah, this team had beaten the Los Angeles Rams offense 24 to seven in a game, and the Rams were the number one offense in the league. So you were saying there's no way they go to Philly and lose. This is Nick Foles. They don't have that great of an offense, and then Nick Foles comes out, and it's worth remembering his numbers from this game: 26 for 33, 352 yards. Three touchdowns. All of a sudden, the Vikings defensive line could not get any pressure. There was a play in that game where they they get Nick Foles a little bit trapped in the pocket. He steps up and finds a little space and just hurls the ball in the air. But someone had stopped running or there was a double move or something, and Elshon Jeffrey is wide open for a 50-yard touchdown. Like these are things that never ever happened to the Minnesota Vikings. I, that I don't year. think it's cursed. Though. It's a number one defense going against the backup quarterback, and you lose. They just got cooked, man. I don't think it was cursed. I think if if they would have missed a field goal, or if Nick Foles would have led the led I've the got Eagles, the curse, though. I've got this for you. If Nick Foles would have led the Eagles down down the field in the last three fifty or four minutes of the fourth quarter to win the game, or send it to overtime, and then they lose, I'll listen. Here's why it's cursed. they got smoked. This is why it's cursed. I've got this. So they open the game. The Vikings mm-hmm. get the ball. And they I, I think they actually Philly had the ball first and they they shut him down and then they get the ball or however this went. The first drive from the Vikings. And they cruise. Case Keenum is on. He drops in a perfect pass to Kyle Rudolph 
just over the shoulder into the end zone, maybe a 15 or 20 yard pass. And they looked every bit the Minnesota Vikings from all year, the magic of Case Keenum. Yeah. He had gone on all season long, and Pat Shermer was on fire as the play caller. And then they just fly down the field against the Eagles, and they're rolling. So the Eagles get the ball, they get, they get stuffed. They've got to punt it away. And you're, you're now thinking, okay, you score again. This game's over. You got sure. the number one defense in the league. Case Keenum has a pass tipped just by somebody's edge of their little finger, just enough to slow it down, to be intercepted, and run back for a touchdown, and it changes the entire game. I mean, just because it just because it happens at the end of the game doesn't mean that's the only curses that happen. Curses if, can happen in the first quarter. If they would have lost by seven, sure. They lost by 31. I know, but it changed the game entirely. The Vikings' belief in that they could win, it just went out the door. The 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 outcome of the game, the final score, the the difference in scores, just how how lopsided it was, that tells me it wasn't cursed. Now I can hear this if it was if it's a seven point game, if it's a ten point game. You know what, Matthew? Maybe even if it's a fourteen point game, I can listen. It was a thirty one point game. You can't tell me that an interception in the first quarter made them lose by the thirty one. It changed momentum, sure, but if you've got the number one defense, you you should figure it out. It wasn't cursed. They got but that's smoked. That's the point. That's the they point. They got smoked. You are playing a backup quarterback who hadn't even been very good. I'm gonna get his numbers here, Nick Foles, what he had done after coming in for Carson Wentz. And the minute Carson Wentz gets hurt, you think, okay, well, the Eagles are out of luck here. And Nick Foles is a really good backup quarterback, but you were never envisioning of all the great teams and offenses that they played and shut down that year that this guy was going to be the one who was going to uh, go crazy on them. So listen to this. His second to last game, Nick Foles of that season, of the 2017 season. So this is uh, what week, week 16? 16 against the Raiders. He throws for 163 yards. They put up 19 points. Just warming up. Against Dallas the following week, and I think he got dinged up. They lost 6 nothing, and he threw 11 passes for 39 yards. And then against Atlanta, he throws for 246, no touchdowns, and they score 15 points. So his final three games before facing the Vikings, 19, 0, and 15. Who what? played in that, in that Week 17 game, too? Because they had everything wrapped up. Yeah, I think they it's did, not. So. They didn't need to win that game. I'm sure that most they of the weapons on the Eagles didn't else. didn't play. And Nick it, it's not play, as yeah. if Nick Foles was said. Or it's not like the OC said. All right, we're gonna we're gonna open her up offensively here. But, but even then, the bigger sample of the the whole Nick Foles regular season for that year, he had a 79 quarterback rating. Fine. I mean, I, I can't, against the number no, one defense. There is nothing you can tell me that's going to lead me to believe mm. that that game is part of the curse. They just I, got smoked. I think getting your ass whooped in a game that had all the lead up of you never should lose to this backup quarterback with the number one defense is just as cursed as shanking a kick. Nope. It, things that happen early in a game, like a tipped interception, I, those are. And he also got strip sacked in that game too, which. This is the crazy thing. This is this is all about how wild that season was. I believe Case Keenum lost one fumble that entire season, which is so incredibly improbable for a quarterback to lose one fumble the entire season, and then he loses one in the NFC Championship game. That's key. He was due. Cursed. He was due for one. Totally cursed. Not now, cursed at all. No, okay. they got smoked. So here's my question. But my, my point of this entire thing is almost no matter what age you are, you could be seven years old right now, and you know that the Vikings are cursed. You could be 77, 
And you definitely know <laughs> that the Vikings are cursed. Uh, I, I would love to hear some, from some people on this. 651-646-8255 is the phone number. 651-646-8255. Now, Twitter has weighed in. 57% of people believe that they, uh, not just the Vikings, but that believe in sports curses. And then uh, if you believe in sports curses, then you believe the Vikings are cursed. And I think that another part of this is that Teddy Bridgewater gets injured the way he did so severely that they had to change course entirely on their franchise quarterback. That's part of it, too. Because when I think of curses, I think of the incredibly unusual happens for you to lose. That's why I put the Nick Foles loss and the NFC Championship game into that. Because it was so incredibly unusual for a backup quarterback to beat the number 1 defense in the NFL. And the same thing goes for it's so unusual, no matter the temperature, to miss a 27-yard field goal. Uh, and, and it's so unusual for a kicker indoors who had made every single kick for the entire season to shank one a little bit to the left like Gary Anderson did. So I, I think that it, it's, um, it's unusual when it's one play like the Gary Anderson miss or the Blair Walsh miss, which might not have been as unusual, I don't think. But when it's an entire game filled of plays, that's just a bad performance. That's not being cursed. That's not one thing didn't go our way. We got so close, we're, we're heartbroken now. They got really close, but it wasn't a close game. There was never a point in the second half where you're like, you know, we, we're going to win this game. I think for it to be a curse and for it to, to be on that Mount Rushmore of heartbreak, so to say, you have to have a real opportunity to win the game. After the first quarter, the Vikings never had that back in 2017. No, they didn't. They didn't. But I think of the circumstances around it as being part of it. And it's a good question to whether you would consider that part of the overall curse. I say it is. And, you know, I mean, even when you look at the other times they've lost in the NFC Championship, they have never had an NFC Championship loss. And, I mean, you could almost go to... Lots of playoff losses. I mean, how about this one? How about 41 Donut? I mean, that's the same kind of thing. Is Kerry Collins is the other team's starting quarterback. Kerry Collins. Not good. Bust for the Panthers. I mean, going against a really good Vikings team that still had Randy Moss in his prime and was unstoppable offensively, and you still end up putting up zero points. That's what I think is that when you go through all of these moments for the Vikings it's it all qualifies as just you couldn't write this like with with Teddy Bridgewater it's the same thing you could not write that a franchise quarterback would be at practice one day at the end of training camp just finishing up practice and all of a sudden his leg collapses to the point where he can't get on the field for another year and a half and the team is so unsure of his health that they can't keep him as their franchise quarterback, and I have to go pay Kirk Cousins $84 million. I'll buy the Teddy Bridgewater one, but these blowouts I can't buy. I, that's just, you You didn't show up that day. You're not cursed. If you're going to be cursed, if it's going to be something that's a curse, you have to show up to get cursed. You don't you didn't you don't show up and lose 41 nothing. You don't show up and lose 38 to 7. Those teams didn't show up to win that day. Therefore, that wasn't cursed. That's they just never got off the bus. I would still put 41 donut under the curse umbrella. Nope. And I'll tell you why in a second when I get the numbers called up here on the old computer. I'll tell um, you the numbers. They didn't score. They gave no, up 41 no, not, points. Not Those are the numbers not, that matter. Not of that. But they were 
was this? Oh, now, and there's more, there's more to this, by the way. Um, let's see. What year was that? Was that, um, Oh, one. Oh, one. Okay. So they were the fifth best offense in the NFL and scored zero points against the Giants. Well, I mean, it was the Oh, one playoffs. So it was the 2000 season. Yeah. That's what I got okay. up here. To me, it goes under the category of you never would have expected it. And, and if it was just one blowout loss in the playoffs, I would say, all right, okay, I'm not putting that under curse because, you know, you went to the playoffs, just didn't play well. Sure. But when you have Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss, Robert Smith is still there, you're loaded, you've got a great offensive coach, you've had this great era of Randy Moss where you're in the top five offense three years in a row, and you finally, and you, you get you get back. I mean, usually if you go to the conference final uh, championship, know, game. championship game, I know, I was thinking hockey, in, yeah. in 1998, you would think, okay, you're not going back. Like, look at Atlanta. They just they go to the Super Bowl. It's devastating, and it's hard to go back after you get devastated. Seattle hasn't been back since they were crushed by New England. To go back two years later is really incredible because of the offensive players that they had there, and to get shut out is so improbable. Just like giving up 38 points to a backup quarterback is so improbable that I put it under that category. And I wonder if Vikings fans, and here would be the other question, Danny, is you saw a curse end when you were in Cleveland. Correct. Possibly. Kind uh, of. Things haven't gone great since. It got reignited like five months later. But do, do Vikings fans think this ends soon at some point? Because I don't sense a lot of confidence in the current version, which we've talked about is a Super Bowl or bust type of team with Kirk Cousins, and they should be very, very good. And I think any time that you are very good and you're right there in the conversation, mm-hmm. that you have a chance. Sure. So I wouldn't completely rule it out, but every team goes in, even the mo- even the best teams, go into a season with a 5% chance of winning a Super Bowl to begin with. I just wonder if Vikings fans have, uh, in the accumulation of all these things, you can nitpick over whether it's... The 41 donut is part of the curse or not, but the shanked field goals and everything else in the Teddy Bridgewater definitely curse. Oh, yeah. Not, so, not disagreeing on any of those. We're just, we don't see eye to eye on the blowouts as being part of the curse. And as for but, if. But what's going to end it, though? That's my question is how does it end? If, that, eventually, this will question. end, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there are some optimistic Vikings fans out there that they wake up every day, they roll out of bed, and they go, "We're one day closer to the Vikings winning the Super Bowl." They don't know when it's going to be, but there are fans out there that go, "We're one day closer to the Vikings actually winning the Super Bowl." Uh, they don't know what Super Bowl, but they're going to win one at some point. You would have to think, just by, just by, like that has to happen, right? It. In my experiences, the curses getting broke have all been something pretty magnificent and amazing. If you think back to 2016 when Cleveland broke its curse with the way LeBron blocked Andre Iguodala's shots and coming back from a 3-1 deficit and and Kyrie Irving's shot over Steph Curry and that Warriors team being 73-9 and and Steph being the first ever unanimous MVP. And then even if you look to October when when the Cubs broke their curse, they came back from a 3-1 deficit down. They had given up a game tying home run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Then there was a it rain delay. It has to delay. be in crazy fashion, Yes, right? it has to be something that's absolutely unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? So what's it going to be for the Vikings? What is that, that unbelievable Let's thing? See. What's that David Tyree catch type thing that can happen? Sean Mannion is the backup quarterback presently. And they, so that's, Matthew, I can promise you Sean Mannion's not breaking a curse in this town. 
<laughs> that was the first place I went. Uh, that's that you're you're getting colder. All right, let's see here. How about this? How about this? I've got it. Okay. So the NFC, as we know it at this moment, is pretty good. Yes. A lot of really good teams. But let's say that there's a rash of injuries around the NFC. Rodgers goes down again. Well, you said he's washed, so he doesn't well, he need is to washed. get hurt. Yeah, Drew Brees um, is is washed and doesn't play very well. The Saints miss the playoffs, so we get some weird and sort of random results. San Francisco is in and Tampa's in. Just like a weak class of teams in the NFC. So the Vikings get into the playoffs and they get a couple of wins against teams that you're like, boy, I didn't even think they were that good, but they went 10 and 6 and won the division. And then it comes down to the leg of Dan Bailey, who makes not five, not six, but seven field goals in one game to win 21 to 18 in the Super Bowl. It's got to be on the leg of it's a, kicker be a kicker doing yes. something unbelievable. It has to be a kicker. There's no question in my mind that a kicker is going to be the one to break this curse. <laughs> Has to be. I don't know about seven field goals. It seems like a really bad offensive day if you get into striking distance seven times yeah. and can't punch it in. Well, that but but Bailey is so on fire that he's kicking from everywhere. He's he's got a couple of fifty yarders. He's got a couple of chip shots. He's just he's just rocking it. That's uh, that's how it ends. It it has to end that way. All right. Well, if you got a thought. Feel free to give us a call or tweet me at Matthew Collar. You can vote in the poll there. When we return, the interview that you did not know you needed, football interview that you did not know you needed. Are you guys waiting for Miguel Sano to strike out here? <sighs> you Is that what's going it. on? Well, yeah. For the football that. show. Stop it. I, I don't care. If Miguel Sano strikes out in this one-two count, I'm going to talk about it. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens here. No, that's, that's going to be I was really hoping he was going to swing at that one. Me too. <laughs> I'm hoping that for all Just of them. Just a high fastball. You know what's amazing is how often he strikes out on pitches that are strikes. Oh, they, yeah. yeah. He'll chase sometimes, but a lot of times it'll just be like an inside fastball. You know what else is right amazing? It. The benefit of the doubt he gets on a lot of calls. He gets a lot of borderline pitches that are not that are called balls that really should be strikes. A he, lot That happens to him a yeah. lot for someone that's not very good. Well, you know what I don't trust? And maybe this is just me being weird, but... The the digital strike zone. I just don't the K like zone. It. I just don't like it. Like, I don't like it on the broadcast. The one day it broke, it was great. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm so tired of this thing. Anyway, do you remember what baseball was like rant. before it? Um, yes, Danny. Thanks for bringing that up on my birthday. Uh okay. So he grounded out. All right, that's Dang the it. that's the end of that. Uh, when we return, the football interview that you did not know you needed in your life, we will go to the great state of Maryland. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Now, it's time to take you on a journey to a random NFL city for a football breakdown you didn't need. Down and dirty, rolling in the mud. All right, it 
is that time again here today on Purple Daily for a football interview you did not know that you needed. And joining me, uh, one of the best skating sports reporters that you will ever find, Sean Stepner. He is from WMAR ABC in Baltimore. What's going on, Sean? Uh, nothing much. Everything is good. We are in the down period for your Vikings, for the Ravens, for all NFL, and we are just kind of charging the batteries here uh, as we approach training camp, right? So you're focused on the Washington Capitals draft then in free agency? Is that what you're, is that what you're concerned about right now? Totally, yeah. That's what that, that's, It's all about um, kind of the lead-up to free agency and free agency and, and kind of, uh, you know, who, who the Caps are going to, going to get and who they're going to lose uh, and, and how they can kind of, kind of just um, kind of build that roster for two and three years. You know, I, I, I did grow up in the Maryland DC region. And as you mentioned just now uh, playing hockey, so I can kind of relate to a lot of the, the listeners in your neck of the woods uh, as a, as a lifelong hockey fan. And that is my favorite sport. And I grew up a, a, a diehard Capitals fan. So last summer, about this time, it was uh, a little more uh, pleasurable, but, <laughs> right. um, you know, instead of a first-round exit. But uh, I think really the, the biggest movement for the Caps, uh, I know we're talk- about to talk Ravens, but Brooks Orpik just retired. I mean, that, that, was, really, that was really it. But uh, we'll see if anybody kind of hops on board that roster and they get better. Well, anything that happens from here on out with Alex Ovechkin's career is just gravy for you. You got your Stanley Cup, you're good, nothing else matters, and also uh, your team will be known as having the greatest cup celebration throughout last summer, maybe of all time. Um, and, and thank God for social media that we all got to see where Alex Ovechkin was taking the cup last year. So that was lots of fun. But, uh, Sean, let, let's talk some Ravens here, man. You're going to be covering a Ravens team that does not have Joe Flacco on the roster. How weird is that? It would be a lot weirder if we didn't already have, like, the second half of the season last year. I mean, it, Raven, the Ravens, their team, their roster, the players, the offense, and the fans are used to a Ravens team without Joe Flacco uh, and with Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, he, he's kind of in the same situation in Denver right now, Flacco is, than he was at this point last year with the Ravens, with uh, them drafting a young quarterback early, and Joe is going to be the starter, and he's going to probably lose that job if he doesn't perform or gets injured. Let's let's be honest. I mean, he's at the tail end of his career. So, um, you know, it, it would be a lot weirder if we hadn't already seen it. But we, we have seen what a Ravens offense looks like with uh, without Joe Flacco. So, um, and, and that's really what they're building their team around now. They're building the offense around Lamar Jackson. No question about it. Well, well before I ask you more about Lamar, what, what is the legacy of Joe Flacco there? I mean, is it the guy won a Super Bowl, so he's royalty and that's it, and there will be no follow-up questions? Or, I mean, do Ravens fans think about what if they had decided to not sign him to that big contract or if they had decided to bring in someone earlier as he started to fall off? Because he's a guy that at his peak was very, very good and did a lot of winning with them, but it's felt like the last, I don't know, is it four maybe even five years that it's been that he just hasn't been that elite quarterback, if you will. I mean, it it seemed like they spent a lot of years maybe underachieving because they didn't get the same sort of quarterback play that they got from him in his prime. 
Well, let, let's be honest. He got that big contract because of a few weeks in January and yep. February. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, you know, everybody, the whole, you know, the joke about the, is Joe Flacco elite? He was elite during that time. And really, that's all the Ravens needed at that point, And that's all he needed for his bank account, really. And um, so, so Joe Flacco's legacy will be the greatest Ravens quarterback of all time as of now. Um, I mean, he did the most winning. He started so many games. He will be a Ravens Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer when all is said and done. You know, he got a lot of flack over the last few years because he wasn't living up to that contract. But when you go back after the Super Bowl that they won, they didn't have a choice. I mean, he just led them to the Super Bowl with a phenomenal postseason run. What are they going to do? They're going to pay him market value. You know, you and I both know, we, we both, we, we know each other from, from working in the Buffalo market and covering the Buffalo Bills a number of years back. That's how we, we, we know each other, Matt. And, you know, if you are churning your wheels as an NFL franchise when you are without a legitimate franchise quarterback. You are in no man's land. You're not going anywhere. And the Ravens, um, that's where they, they had their guy. They're not going to let him go. They're going to pay him what he was worth. That handicapped them for sure in the last few years after that deal. But the Ravens were always built as a defense first team anyway. So, you know, they've always relied on their defense. So they, 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 they made playoffs, um, on their defense the last few years, um, after the Super Bowl. But, but, uh, you know, th- th- there were a number of years they didn't as well. So. Joe Flacco's legacy, getting back to that point, um, I think I think everybody is happy that um, I think there's a lot of people that are happy that he's gone. To be to be quite honest, because the team was successful without him. But there's no question that he he is the best quarterback that the Ravens have ever had, and that, that's going to be his legacy going forward. Sean, and when it comes to quarterbacks, you haven't lived until you've seen EJ Manuel throw a football into a hospitality tent during training camp. <laughs> People do not understand the joy of watching a quarterback competition between Matt Castle and EJ Manuel. Um, <laughs> Don't forget Kevin Cobb. Uh, oh yes, Matt. yes, yeah. yes. That's right. Kevin Cobb finding new ways to get injured as a football player. Um, right. That may be inappropriate. He ended his career, I think, because of injuries that year. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Uh, well whatever. He signed up for this. So uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I was blown away, Sean, when Lamar Jackson fell in the draft as far as he did. I thought he was a better quarterback at least uh, than Josh Allen and maybe than a couple of the other guys in that very good quarterback draft. And even though he didn't put up the fantasy numbers that you would like passing the ball and it didn't always look beautiful, he found ways to win with an offense that had just sort of been pieced together for him when he took over for Joe Flacco. So now in year two, opposing defenses know what they're going to get from Lamar Jackson, but also Lamar Jackson has an offense designed for him. What is the expectation for him this season? Uh, I think the expectation... Um... I don't think there's a great expectation, to be totally honest with you. Like I mentioned before, the, the team is built around defense, so I think they're going to rely heavily on their defense to win them games. Um, I think a lot of the winning that Lamar did last year was built around clock management. Um, he did not throw the ball a lot. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they've definitely worked on with Lamar this offseason is passing the football 
and his mechanics and his fundamentals. That's the big thing they were talking about at the end of last year. It's the big thing they were talking about at OTAs, and it's the big thing that they were talking about at minicamp. And you could see, you know, I was out there every time that they opened up the practices for the media. Um, they spent a great deal of the first half of every practice working on Lamar's fundamentals. They want to get that passing game and that passing attack clicking, and they, they, they want to get it better, and it needs to be better. Um, you know, again, it's going to be a um, – it's going to be a run-heavy offense. There's going to be some options involved. And it's going to be a tight end heavy offense, but the, I think the expectation, it's a sliding scale, you know? I mean, he led them to the playoffs, so the expectation has to be a playoff. I mean, you look at the division, the Steelers are down, the Bengals are obviously down, and the Browns are up. And I think the Ravens are kind of status quo. They have a pretty good defense, and their offense should be able to win them games. So, um, I think the the expectation for Lamar is to maybe do the same as last year and then some, just make incremental steps at getting better. I think that's all people are asking for, along with the improvement in the past game. He has to get um, his accuracy better and his fundamentals better because I'll tell you, at those minicamp practices and OTAs, yes, it did improve, but not by much. I mean, he was... He was missing open receivers and routes against air and 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 seven on seven stuff. Um, he, he was missing his fair share of targets. He did get better, like I said, he did he did improve. But in this man's humble opinion, not by much. Talking with uh, Sean Stepner, he's a sports reporter at WMAR ABC in Baltimore. Our random NFL reporter of the week. Uh, well, okay, so. That's the thing, Sean. Is I mean, I I don't think that someone's mechanics can change so spectacularly that they can all of a sudden become John Elway over an off season. But for me, I mean, his running ability and, and this kind of works for a lot of quarterbacks around the NFL. It sort of evens the playing field there. What, what do you think this offense is going to look like? I mean, you mentioned run heavy. Uh, they draft Marquise Brown, who's a really impressive prospect, but has not played in the NFL before. I mean, I'm kind of a little concerned about just what's around him, aside from bringing in another running back in Mark Ingram. It's not like this team has a ton of weapons for him to throw to. I think he's going to have to run the ball a lot. He will, and that's kind of his default. If he doesn't – well, let me let me preface this by saying it was his default last year. We don't know what his, you know how he's going to do uh, when, the, um, when everything starts flying in September, but – you know, if he didn't have a first or second option, he just tucked it and he ran. And you mentioned a minute ago about you thought he might be the best quarterback in the draft. Um, he, I don't know about that, Matt, but he was definitely the best athlete when it comes to the quarterbacks. No question about it. Uh, things that he can do, running with the football, we saw it last year. Um, you know, the, 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 press bo- the press box was like the, our jaws were dropping because we – Really hadn't seen that before from a Ravens quarterback. Um, not haven't seen it a lot from any quarterback, really. But um, you know, it, it, they're going to rely on run heavy. Um, the offense they did draft, like you said, Marquise Brown. He not only we've never seen him in the NFL games. We we haven't seen him at NFL practice. He has a Liz Frank injury, a foot injury, and he hasn't gone through even individual drills yet. He's just been kind of watching from the sidelines. So the jury's still out on him. Every, all, all signs point to 
Marquise Brown being ready for training camp. So no one's really worried about it. The expectation he is he's going to be on the field when they start practices in a few weeks. But we haven't seen him. Uh, we haven't seen Miles Boykin, who they who they took. Uh, he's kind of the bigger receiver out of Notre Dame. Um, and they also signed Seth Roberts. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, Chris Moore, who had seen a lot of work on special teams over the years, and here and there, some offensive snaps. He will get more work, and they're really high on Chris Moore, the coaches are. He is um, just an amazing individual. Um, so I, I would actually think that he would maybe do, do well. But they also have, um, they have three tight ends that they're going to rely heavy on, heavily on. They have Nick Boyle, the veteran, and they have Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, who they took uh, in the draft last year. Hayden Hurst was drafted before Lamar Jackson. They took Hayden Hurst in the first round, I believe 16th overall, somewhere around there. Um, so they have Hayden Hurst. He got hurt early last year, and Mark Andrews, who they, they took in the third round, last year he really came on and picked up the weight of the tight end position last year so they're gonna they're gonna rely heavily on the tight ends they're gonna rely heavily heavily on mark ingram and you know the running back you didn't mention justice hill he's coming in he was drafted this year as well and he is a burner he is a speed guy and with mark ingram and justice hill and the other running back gus edwards who had the lion's share of the carries last year as well that's going to be your offense for Lamar Jackson moving forward. And they have a new offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, who takes over from Marty Morningwig. Um, Greg Roman, the biggest thing that Greg Roman is doing, first of all, he's, he's tailoring the whole offense around Lamar Jackson, but he's shortening the play calls. He's shortening the verbiage. Last year, under Morningwig, some of the play calls in the huddle were like 25 words <laughs> long or something, school, something like yeah. that. Right. And when you're, when you're dealing with a quarterback who's getting thrown into it in the middle of the season and he's a rookie, I mean, it's the, it's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, right? I mean, like you, you just want to, and, and Lamar's an athlete. He's going to see stuff. He's going to, he's going to adjust. And, um, so Greg Roman is simplifying things. It's going to be heavy run, heavy tight end sets for Lamar. To me, they're one of the most interesting offenses to watch just because of that, because they have such a unique player at the quarterback position, and we know that Greg Roman got eight wins in a good season out of Tyrod Taylor once, so uh, he might be able to to conjure something up that's pretty good for Lamar. Um, last thing for you, Sean, John Harbaugh is amazing. The, the fact that he is still the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens in a league that fires coaches if they're not good after one year or two years, right? Um how has he done it, man? Like since you've been there covering him, it's to, it's amazing to me that he's such a, an anomaly. And it seems from the outside like he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. What what is the secret for him? Because it's not like he just had Tom Brady, and that's why he wins all the time. Uh, he's always had to do it through having great defenses and really good coach teams. Yeah. So first of all, he has amazing support from ownership, Steve Bashotti. Uh, the owner and John Harbaugh get along famously. I mean, they're, they're good friends, uh, professionally and personally. Uh, so he has Bashadi's support. But, um, I think, you know, it, it, John Harbaugh runs things. It's a well-oiled machine at, at their practice facility. Everybody buys in. Um, you know, he knows he, he has the clout. He knows that the players are going to listen to him. 
He does things the right way. The organization does things the right way. Let's not forget, last year he was given the contract extension, I believe the day before the week 16 game, which was two with two games left in the season. Um, and they had not secured a playoff spot. The common thinking was that Harbaugh would have been fired if they didn't make the playoffs. And instead he gets a contract extension from ownership, playoffs or not. Now, um, does that mean, does that mean that something couldn't have happened if they didn't make the playoffs and things went south? And would there have, was there language in that contract extension that they said, you know, we'll never know because they made the playoffs and it might have been his best coaching job yet. I mean, their franchise quarterback went down. Joe Flacco bringing this full circle from your first question. Joe Flacco goes down and a rookie comes in into an offense that is not designed for him. They, they totally rebuilt their whole offensive side of the ball last year in the middle of the season. It was the bye week and everything changed and they went to kind of a, a clock management, uh, just don't turn the ball over thing, which is another thing that Lamar has to work on his mm-hmm. fumbles. I mean, he fumbles the ball like crazy, but, um, you know, John Harbaugh is, um, he might, he might be coming off his best coaching job, but I think it all boils down to his relationship with ownership and the trust that they have in him. He's gotten it done and they think he can get it done again. And he is also the nicest head coach in the league on conference calls. I learned that in the 2017. Almost every question he'll say, Hey, that's a great question. You're like, yeah, John, I appreciate that, man. Um, <laughs> not, not every coach is happy to be on a conference call, but John Harbaugh is. Uh, anyway. That's funny. Matt, he's, he's never told that to me. I don't know what that says. He's never, you know, maybe I have to talk about Really? You know, no, he's never. Maybe he just does it because the no, opposing teams, well, the opposing teams media never criticizes him for any reason. <laughs> so he could just be super nice on the conference call. Um, right. <laughs> Sean, awesome stuff. You could follow Sean Stepner at Stepner W M A R. And hey, buddy, look, I know you're busy there, but the Minnesota Wild really need forward depth. So if you can just maybe come up here, fill in for a few games, it's not a good situation. Not a good situation at all. I would love to. Tell tell their people to contact my people and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> all right, they'll check with your agent. Uh, Stepner, <laughs> at Stepner, W-M-A-R, in Baltimore. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. All right, we are back here on Score North and threw out the question to Twitter from what we were discussing earlier. What would it take for the Vikings to break the curse. Will it ever happen? And do you believe in curses? 57% of my Twitter, over 500 votes now, saying that they do. And this from Gary I thought was pretty funny. He said, here's the the real question. Detroit and the Vikings are the only two teams left in the NFC that haven't made a Super Bowl since 1991. Who makes it first, Detroit or Minnesota? And if bleeping Detroit goes, then you know the curse is real. I think that's a great way to look at it, as if somehow Detroit ends up making it before the Vikings, then yeah. yes, indeed, you are cursed. There, I, This is one where I was too young for this, too, and you were too, Danny, but as an enjoyer of old YouTube games, there is a game between the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers. 
in which the Lions are a great team in 1991. They struggle at the quarterback position a little bit, but Barry Sanders is there. It would have made way more of a difference to have Barry Sanders in 1991 than it would right now. Yeah, Dominant MVP level Barry Sanders, um, and they're winning. Detroit is beating the Green Bay Packers in the Silverdome. Tough place to play. Talented team. And Brett Favre rolls to his left at midfield, probably the 45-yard line. And moving his momentum to the left, throws it back to the right, down the right sideline for a touchdown to beat the the Lions. It's a 50-yard ball in the air. It's one of the great throws in NFL history. And if you are in Detroit and listen to this show, us talking about the Vikings, you've got to be like, okay, I get the field goal thing, guys, but... We're more cursed to not even be in the conversation ever anymore. And the yeah. last time we were, Scott Mitchell blew a playoff game against Philly in which he was defeated by Rodney Pete. And then Brett Favre ruined all of your hopes and dreams in the Silverdome. Would you rather be the team that always gets as close as the Vikings have gotten? Or would you rather be the team that's not in the conversation where you can't necessarily say that you're cursed? Mm. You're just miserable and not close to winning. So... You're, you're miserable, but you don't experience the heartbreak. Where Vikings fans have certainly experienced plenty of heartbreak throughout the course of their fandom over the last however many years. Having been now a part of both. In Buffalo, I never in my career covered a playoff game. And I saw EJ Manuel. I saw Kevin Cobb compete for a starting quarterback position. I saw Tyrod Taylor. I... It was the worst because the seasons lasted about six weeks most of the time. Yeah. You get to week seven, week eight, and you're just done. So what do you do for the rest of the season? Being that irrelevant as Buffalo was the entire time that I was in the media there was so difficult. And, but, but that's you as a media but, member. But, but I mean, that's for the not fans you as, too, as a fan because uh, if you don't go in with expectations, it's really not as bad. Oh, but that's the thing is they always would. That, that's their yes. fault, though. They've got no one to blame but, but no, themselves. No NFL city says we have no expectations. They all do. That's how the NFL works. No, like when the Browns were 0-12 at okay, some point that, in, the, in 2016 to every or whatever. Rule. It's like, you know, I really don't expect the Browns to win today on a Sunday, so it doesn't really hurt when they I, lose. I'm telling you that there were seasons where Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback where Bills fans expected to be there at the end. Fitzmagic. I, I'm telling you that happened. In the early 2000s, they traded for Drew Bledsoe. They thought, oh, this is the answer. Bledsoe has been to a Super Bowl with the Patriots. They have a super talented team. We're going. And then after that, it was uh, J.P. Lossman. We got this top quarterback in the draft. He's coming in. And then Trent Edwards literally had like two good games. They thought he was a franchise quarterback. So that constant not even being in the conversation, you get excited for stuff that looks like it might have potential, but then you are just out. Here's the thing. That 2017 season, week in and week out, the Vikings are a part of the national conversation every single week, which was really fun to see. I mean, when Randy Moss shows up on the scene and lights up Dallas Cowboys and goes absolutely crazy on national TV on Thanksgiving, you are relevant. You are at the center of the NFL world. And even though that ended in disaster, tell me that season for all the fans, at least from the 15-1 and and then getting to that point to be in the NFC Championship game, you'll remember the bad ending. But there was so much good that happened. The entire time I was there in Buffalo, they beat the Patriots once. Boy, that was fun. 
But that's it. That's the highlight of the entire time that I was doing radio in Buffalo was they beat the Patriots once in the regular season. I think. Mean, Congratulations, right? Like, wow, that's the high moment. I'm just of trying a to say five that, year run. That the, I mean, the heartbreak doesn't hurt as bad. Well, there there almost is no heartbreak. That, that's why that's that's yeah. why that's where my question comes into yeah. play. Would you rather be irrelevant and not have heartbreak, oh, or would heartbreak. you rather your heart just ripped out repeatedly the I mean, way that Vikings fans have? It's not even close because there isn't even anything to celebrate at the end of the day. I mean, Randy Moss's career when he goes into the Ring of Honor is amazing. And having the number one defense and going to an NFC championship game and, and all the good things that happened that season for Case Keenum, the Minneapolis miracle. You don't get a Minneapolis miracle if you're not even there to begin with. Yeah. And uh, I would definitely take what the Vikings have had in their recent history way over Buffalo. Now, Buffalo had its big moments, the missed kick and the Music City miracle and so forth. Those were when they were a really relevant franchise. From about 1980, I would say 89 through 99, they're one of the most relevant franchises in the NFL. And then they have those big moments. But you at least have great players to look back on. I mean, the amount that Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, Jim Kelly are revered it doesn't matter to people in Buffalo that they didn't win the Super Bowl now. Like those are those are the legends of the franchise and they are royalty and they have the same thing here with the Vikings with John Randall, with Randy Moss. These people are on a completely different level of superstardom here. And and that only happens if you're good enough. And the curse it's bad, uh, of course, that these moments went that way if you're a Vikings fan. But Yeah, I mean no no one but, likes to to be heartbroken ever. But I mean Look at Detroit. Who are you celebrating? Yeah. Kelvin Johnson, he quit on you. <laughs> Barry Sanders, he quit on you. Like that's that to me that's not even cursed. That's just you're so inept. Sorry Detroit. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Uh Danny, thanks for your time. My pleasure. It's been fun talking curses with you. Always. Um Hot Routes coming up next. Phil Mackey's going to jump in here for Hot Routes. It's going to be a fun time. You can actually play along Hot Routes at home for our one of our first Hot Routes. All you have to do is Google who is born on the same day as you. If you want to play along at home. All right. Happy birthday, Matthew. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll take a quick break. 33, Gary Brown. Tell me nobody else plays this game. When a number comes up and you pick a random NFL player. Remember Gary Brown? No, No. you don't remember Gary Brown. No, I have no idea who Gary Brown is. No, Jonathan. No, that's okay. He was like a bad running back for the Titans. How am I supposed to know who Gary Brown is? Can you please enlighten me? I think he was actually an oiler when when, everything fell apart. That furthers my point. How am I supposed to know who All Gary right, Brown is? We'll go late to the break for me to figure out if he was number 33. Oh, yeah, he was number 33. Gary Brown, he played for Houston from 91 to 95, and then San Diego in 97, and the New York Giants then his career. His best season, he ran for 1,000 yards twice in the NFL. Good for you, Gary Brown. I am Gary Brown years old. Congrats. <laughs> All right, Hot Routes coming up next here on Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? 
You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.